This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 19. We're going to talk to you about, I just want to scan the crowd, what Jesus says about sex. What does Jesus say about sex? We feel like this is an important subject that we as a church need to address. We don't want to leave it up to a guess. And at any time, do you feel like you know, like, you don't agree with what I said, uh, we're asking you to start a dialogue with us. Um, contact me or contact one of our elders. Don't just um, take your, your Bible and leave. We love you too much. Um, and I pray that you always feel that in our the way we express ourselves towards you, that we genuinely care about you. We care, pray for you, our elders, and we pray. Throughout the week, I go up and down the, the aisle here and uh, because you guys typically sit in the same spot, which is good because then I can pray for you. So uh, you know, so I just start going and you know, praying for people who normally sit in their spot. Uh, Jesus has a lot to say about sex, and um, a lot of times, as a church, we don't say too much about it. Let's read Matthew chapter 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him, and they asked Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus says this, haven't you read? I'm going to pause there for a second because that's what we've been uh, been trying to say uh, weeks ago about reading the Bible. You remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, he met with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he began to explain to them what the prophets had said. So in other words, you have to have some sort of base to understand and say, oh, yes. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. 
the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, is it better not to marry? And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Lord, we ask that you would just open our hearts to what you are saying, not only to the group of people that heard you say this, but to us, to us today here at Mosaic Church in Tallahassee 2021. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to talk about divorce, but I am going to talk about, I feel weird saying it because we have a little kid over here, so if you hear me pause, it's, it's because and now they're going to ask you at home what's going on, right? So why is First things first, and I said, shared this last week. Jesus does not talk much about sex before marriage because it really wasn't an issue. And if you ever heard that, then the, the Bible version you're reading is not the best. Sex before marriage was not an issue because typically in Jewish culture, Young kids would be married after, shortly after puberty. The girls would be getting married at age 13 or 14 or 15, and boys maybe a year older than that. So consequently, consequently sex before marriage was not really the issue. It's hard for us to imagine. Can you imagine? I know that downstairs we have some 12, 13-year-old kids um, that... You know, in those days, they were thinking, oh, no, I'm getting married, you know, soon. And uh, it just it was very foreign to us today. But a little girl or a little boy who's 13 or 14 would start thinking about the marriage night. And that's what it was in the first century Jewish culture. And that's who Jesus was talking to. Adultery outside of marriage was an issue. It was definitely an issue. One of the flip sides, and I shared this last week, is that when you are, you know, culturally you would be marrying probably a distant cousin, a family distant cousin. You didn't know the person. And so there was issues of um, getting along right off the bat for many. So they began to look outside of marriage to find, uh, quote unquote, their happiness. Back in the day, it was difficult, but today it's much easier for people to express their lustful desires outside of marriage, much easier today than it was back in those days. You would have to um, find another partner. Today, there's so many easy outlets, I just don't. I was talking to a friend of mine and he has uh, lots of kids, and, and uh, I'll just tell you, our, my philosophy of my family is that all my children uh, married young. I mean, Elise was 20, um, Mason was 21, 22, right? 22, and is that right? Yeah, and then, is that a three? A two, I guess. <laughs> so 22, he was married at 22, and uh, Micah... 23, I don't even know. Not even that, probably 23, 24, somewhere around there, young. Uh, so I told them that I'd prefer them to get married young than 
get married older. And my reason was that no matter what, you're going to face struggles. No one escapes struggles. There is not a choice that you make that means you will escape struggles. So I, I encourage them to choose your struggles. And it, as, as their dad and as their pastor, I'd rather them struggle financially than sexually. It's no sin to be poor. Amen? <laughs> it's no sin to be poor. And I didn't want my kids to have to struggle with purity and trying to stay you know, before Jesus unto the Lord uh, and not have to struggle with lust and all those things. Uh, and I, I pray for all our single people. Um, I, it's, it's just a different world. Even from when I grew up, you know, in the 90s, 80s, and 90s. So we pray for our, our, our young people who live in a sex, cult, you know, sex-saturated world. But there are three rules I want us to look at that Jesus talks about. Uh, but I, uh, before we, we talk about that, I want you to understand that when we read scriptures, we have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus talking to? We can't just apply it to ourselves. We know that there was a time and a place, historical time and place, that Jesus was talking to. Who are the original hearers? Then we ask, what is Jesus saying to us today? What is Jesus saying to us today? And the last thing is, what does Jesus want us to do about what we just heard today? So if you look at Matthew 19, Jesus is talking to his people about marriage and divorce. So I want us to look at the scripture carefully. And I want us to then recognize, how does this apply to us today? If you look at verse four and six again of Matthew, it says, haven't you read that in the beginning, the creator made the male and female and said for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Can you just raise your hand if I performed your wedding ceremony? Yeah, it's all over the place. I said these very words. You may not know it, because you're probably not at the moment, but I said these exact words. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. During my wedding ceremonies, I would even tell people in the audience, did you see what just happened? What is going on in front of you? You know, uh, we get to see the stars that were formed. We don't get to, to see planets formed. They're already formed. But we get to see something supernatural right in front of you, people at the wedding, is that God is going to create something from two people and make them one. And it is incredible. It's a miracle what God does. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. One thing I recognize as I read this scripture is I see that sex is good. It's not a bad thing. Typically, sadly, as Christians, and I'm guilty of this, is that we, we don't even talk about it. 
Um, only a few people would know this reference. Uh, there's, a, there's an old Monty Python uh, sketch where it's called The Meaning of Life, and the Protestant priest was rejoicing that he's not repressed like the Catholic priest, but at the same time ignoring his wife who was trying to give him uh, those special eyes, fluttering her eyes. In, in Christian circles, we just don't talk about it too much. A long time ago, I got to see uh, a man named Tony Campolo, and he said this at a Jesus festival that I was at in Orlando. We are taught that sex is dirty, filthy thing, and you should also save it for, your for the person that you marry. So it's just kind of funny how we kind of set it up. Jesus, in contrast, talks about Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 where the Lord creates a human being, he makes a male and female, and he tells them to go forth and multiply, and then he declares that everything he has made, including sex, is very good. That's why in Hebrews chapter 13, verse four, it says that the marriage bed should be kept pure. It does not say it's going to be made pure because sex within marriage is a wonderful gift from our creator. Now before I forget, and it's not in my notes, I know that um, life is complicated. I know that um, the act of intimacy is not guaranteed through the whole married life. A friend of mine who just passed away uh, his wife was in a car wreck and she was paralyzed from the neck down. I'm not sure how the subject matter came, but we did, I did ask him about what his intimate life was like. And he says we just had to be, learn to be creative. So they could not have intimacy. Um, people who are older, uh, much older, um, uh, friends of mine that are much older have asked, you know, they just, the subject matter comes up and he says it's very different. So again, you have to place, I have to, we have to understand who is Jesus talking to and what's the underlying principle here. I know people that have had medical reasons they couldn't be intimate. And it's, it's a challenge for the marriage. But this is the norm. In Genesis chapter one and two, the Lord creates human beings, male and female, and tells them to go forth and multiply, and then declares that everything he's made is very good. Hebrews 13 says, and as I already said, the marriage bed should be kept pure, because sex within marriage is a wonderful gift from our creator. So if you're understanding Jesus, teaching on sex, it gives you a... If it gives you a low view of sex, you're not reading the text correctly. You've misunderstood him. Just go back and read Song of Songs, which we uh, did one uh, season at Mosaic Church. We talked about the Song of Solomon. God believes that sex is good. He made it good. My second point is that it's better than good. Now, this is going to be shocking, so pay attention. Jesus doesn't say that it's just good, it's really good and reflects something about divine nature of God. 
And he expects us as Christians to go back to Genesis chapter one and look at what he says. In verse 26, he says, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our image and let them rule. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. If you read that scripture slowly, he says that God made human beings, human beings male and female in order that they might reflect his own image. He puts it in this sense that God is referring to himself, what we call the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For us as mankind, it's two in one, which we just read. Two in one because we are not God, but it's two in one for a reason. And this is where the church separates itself to the culture. Because sex is not just for recreational purposes. It's an act of worship where two human beings reflect the image of God. God is more than one person, yet one. And we must understand this is the central, uh, the main argument Jesus is asking us to understand it makes sense that this is serious because when you read the Old Testament, which I encourage you to do, that there's laws that are not to be broken and some of them, the penalty of breaking them is death. Serious uh, repercussions. And very few of them have anything, very few laws have the result of death if you break it, and most of them are considered on, this, on the spectrum of sex, sex crimes, if you will. So Jesus intervenes in this woman's life who gets caught in adultery, and in John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you could read the story. And Jesus does not play down the circumstances in the situation. He doesn't say, uh, that's all right, that's okay, go do as you wish. He tells her something that, because he recognized the seriousness of it. He says, go and leave your life of sin. Why, why is it a sin? You need to ask yourself. In the Old Testament, Sexual sins outside of marriage were a form of blasphemy, an insult to the triune God. And Jesus here is, is reinforcing and endorsing that view. Although Jesus doesn't talk much about sex before marriage, as I already said, it wasn't really the, the issue, what does he do? In the New Testament, he tightens it up, especially when it comes to adultery, declaring what? That even lusting after a person 
is putting, uh, it, it is, you're placing yourself in the same realm as adultery. Why? Because the act of marriage, of intimacy in marriage, reflects God's glory. It's a form of blasphemy to do anything outside what brings God's glory. So much so that even lust, thinking lustfully. The third thing I want to point out is that in Matthew's teaching, uh, Matthew 19, Jesus' teaching, that sex does not belong to us. This is very controversial in our culture where anything goes sexually. But it makes sense when we grasp that sex is good. Actually, it's better than good. God created it. He made his humans, male and female, in order to reflect his glory to this world. In other words, sex was designed and created by God. Think of it this way. We're like renters who live in an apartment that belongs to God. I remember when I lived in the dorm, I was basically renting a dorm and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't touch the walls, couldn't renovate it. So God takes it very seriously when we start renovating a home or an apartment that doesn't belong to us. Belongs to him. This is the bottom line when it comes to following Jesus' word on sex. It is a question of whether we believe our lives, and that includes everything from sex to money, belong to him or it doesn't. And that's what it comes down to at the end. Who does it belong to? And if we want to live for Jesus, he tells us that sex is really good, it's better than good, and we can enjoy it in its proper God-created context because we are reflecting the glory of the Trinity when we do so. But it also means that Jesus wants to be Lord of our lives and what we do in our bedrooms, in private, because our whole lives belong to him. And this is the challenge for us. We live in a culture that says your life belongs to you. You are the master of your own life. But as Christians, we bow our knee to the king and we pay homage to our Savior, our Lord, our King, and he rules over us. He rules over our finances. This is, this is hard. It was a hard lesson I learned as a young man. He rules over my finances. I was ruling over my own finances and I didn't do a good job. He rules over my consumption of goods. He cares. 
and he's also involved in our sex life. And again, if you read the Old Testament, you kind of understand. It's blasphemous because it represents the glory of the Lord. It, it, it reflects on the triune God. Last thing I want to say is that marriage is not our invention. Marriage is God's invention. We just kind of discover it. You know, when, when you dig through the ground when you were a little kid and you found something, you may say, I, dis- I discovered this treasure box, but you did not create the treasure box. You found it. Someone else created the treasure box, and God is the one that creates our marriage. He did not just talk about two becoming one, but he says this, he goes on, and says about a person leaving his parents and being united to his wife. And he tells us that when such a public marriage covenant takes place, then God has joined the two marriage partners together in a way which human laws cannot separate. So what, if you read the story carefully, what happens to the disciples? They get a little nervous, like, whoa, this is serious. So serious, I don't know if we should be a part of it. Disciples do not know what to do, and they say so. They're horrified that it's such a serious matter. They're wondering if it's too holy of a, of a state to enter when you read verse 10. They, they were challenged. Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us that we've only understood what he says about sex if we are similarly overawed and overjoyed. It should be both. It should be both. We should be awed and overjoyed. It should blow our minds on how God created this wonderful thing. So again, I want us to just reiterate. Sex is good. Sex is better than good. Sex does not belong to us. And marriage is God's design, his invention, not ours. So we call the, I call it, and I'm going to, off script here is that the four sides of biblical marriage. One is one wife. Hopefully I remember the four sides. One wife. Not multiple wives, one wife. Lifelong. Lifelong. Till death do us part. And I know that marriages not all end because death, there's divorce. And I recognize that, and God recognizes that. He makes provisions for that. It's not his original intent. And, and sadly, I know that some have been caught up in that, and, and I'm praying for you, and I know that's not easy. And I'm here to tell you, just talk to you about the seriousness 
of sex that God created. Free will, biblical sense, so it's four sides. One wife, four life, free will. In other words, we don't believe in forced marriages. That's not the same as parents picking the spouse, but we believe that both spouses need to freely agree. And the last side, we believe it's, it's biology. It's between a male and a female. So as Christians, one wife, lifelong, it's biology. And what was the last one? I was just testing you. The marriage is not something we made up. It's not a, a social construct that we made up. It's something that God designed. And it's beautiful. God put, it creates a miracle and puts two people together. And his heart breaks when those two, it's, it's, um, it's a surgery of, of a removal. It's, 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 it's a death to that oneself. So in conclusion, we can conclude this. Jesus is clear that sex is designed for marriage, lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. And he, cre he created it to be an incredible gift so that there would be uh, something that a lifelong marriage can enjoy because it reflects the fact that God is far greater than any man or woman. The two are one, shining like the moon, but he is three in one, brightly shining like the sun. One thing I love about God, but we, miss not, we must not misunderstand it, that I call merciful restraint. Merciful restraint in our fallenness. I will tell you this, and um, I, I shared this in the beginning, but we have people in our church that are God-fearing, God-loving, understanding about our fallenness. I think that we are best when we support one another and able to share our questions, our struggles. And so there are people here in our church that if you want to share something, we're here to listen. One thing, uh, not one thing, but many things I love about our elders is that um, they're good listeners. Uh, years and years and years ago, um, I had a, I know my son, is Micah here? He's downstairs. Um, he, he gave me a big headache. And um, I don't know if he knows this. I don't mean to embarrass him, but um, I really wanted to quit being pastoring because I felt like I was failing as a parent. And if I can't, if I can't 
pass as a parent, how can I pass as a pastor? Literally, that's what I was thinking. And so I went to my elders, and they did not throw stones at me. They embraced me, loved me, and encouraged me, even with all my questions of self-doubt. And I will be in forever grateful to our elders. These are good listeners. No, they didn't judge. They embraced and prayed for me. And then they helped me. It is an incredible testimony to see my son up here on the left, to my left when I'm up there, to see him worship Jesus and to glorify his name. So concerns about sex and might be difficult to share, but I'm telling you, this is a safe place to talk and share with, keep things in confidence. God's love for, and concern for our community and humanity compelled him to offer his son as a ransom for our lives. And we bow our knee to him. And God, in his infinite wisdom, love, loves us and wants to protect his children. So we willfully submit ourselves to these mandates in light of our call to holiness and self-surrender. This is not an easy subject matter to chat about, but again, we need to as a church. And I pray that if you have any questions, call Adam. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or Daniel, or Christopher, or their spouses, or myself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We, Lord, we love you, and we ask that you'd help us. And Lord, uh, we just want to honor you in every area of our lives. Not just what happens in the bedroom, but what happens in our wallets, what happens what we watch on our computers our time, how we relate with one another. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help us to continue to bow our knee, not just with our words we say, your Lord, but with our lives. And we say thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.